Welcome to the Winning with Shopify podcast. This is the podcast that will teach you to take your Shopify store and turn it into a business growing sales machine. It has the latest marketing, email, sales, SEO, and social media advice, and also has strategies and tips from the experts without fluff. Your host is Nick Truman. He's a Shopify expert and an education partner with the Shopify approved course, 1000 Sales and Beyond. He's the CEO of JustAskParker.com, a global specialist marketing agency for Shopify owners. Nick has over 13 years experience in digital marketing from PPC and SEO through to digital transformation of businesses. He's helped hundreds of brands from startup Shopify stores through to international enterprises that operate in hundreds of countries. Nick will be sharing his knowledge and interview the experts to help you in your journey to success. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. Now, here's your host, Nick Truman. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Winning with Shopify podcast. For those of you who haven't tuned in before, my name's Nick, and I've been hosting the podcast for just over a year now. And we were just reminiscing that I've done uh, over 75 episodes to date, which has been incredibly exciting. And we've had some phenomenal guests on the show. We're in the middle of a very interesting series and a series I've wanted to run for some time. Just haven't been able to squeeze it in the diary and get some guests together and that sort of thing. But we're talking at the moment about how to build a killer Shopify store. And when we say killer, we mean a store that looks great. And most importantly, it converts well and drives lots and lots of new customers and repeat orders from existing customers through your store. This week, we're going to be talking about creating a mobile shopping experience that can help accelerate your growth. We're going to be covering a number of topics within this, but specifically talking about mobile and what some things like landing pages might look like and how you can use these things within some advertising platforms. All of that will make more sense as we dive in and we start going through various bits and pieces that we're going to talk about today. But ultimately, most traffic, certainly in the UK and across the US now, is on mobile when it comes to e-commerce. So getting your mobile experience right is absolutely critical. To help us with episode two today, we've got a very, very special guest. His name's Bob Bram, and he's from a company called Famous. So Bob, without further ado, welcome to the show. Give us a little introduction to yourself and tell us about Famous. Nick, thank you very much. So a little bit about myself. I kind of fell into this job by happenstance, I suppose. I didn't have a great ambition to become a CEO. I got a degree in engineering from Duke University. I discovered I was a good student, but a lousy engineer. So I went right into sales at Hewlett Packard. <laughs> and I did well. Years later, I was the youngest member ever inducted into the HP Sales Hall of Fame. So maybe I tripped into the right job. And over 25 years, sales and marketing roles at some great brands besides Hewlett-Packard, Oracle, Dell EMC. And then I was a C-level executive at two turnarounds, including one some of your audience might know, Silicon Graphics called SGI. We partnered with SAP, turned the company around, had some nice growth and sold to Hewlett-Packard, and later did the same at a SaaS company called Clear Story Data. So like, I think I have a playbook. Nice, nice. You know, find great technology, looking for help with product market fit, find a key partner, draft off their growth and execute. And so now it's famous, we have the same. Executing that playbook that worked before, seeing the results in a hot market built on Shopify, mobile e-commerce, no code. And so far, the business has been growing nicely 50% month over month. Sorry, did you just say 50% month on month growth in your business? Yeah, no, it's not billions of dollars. I'll give you that. Sure, We've been growing sure. 50% month over month. Yeah, we're seeing a really nice uptick among both Shopify merchants and a little bit with digital agencies who are 
trying to provide more value to their, their merchant clients. So tell us in a nutshell then, what, what does Famous do? Like, what's the actual execution, the kind of deliverable that a customer can expect if they, if they sign up with you guys? Nick, what we do is we provide a mobile e-commerce experience platform right now focused in the Shopify space. Cool. That helps merchants increase sales. So let me give you some background. Let me give you real specifically what we do. Until recently, Shopify merchants were focused on what we call back-end functions like payment, shipping, campaign management. And in 2021, well, one of the reasons you have in this podcast is because there's, merchants are seeing so many Shopify sellers. It's now close to 2 million. And they're saying, how do I differentiate? And so the prevailing technology that's been used today is called landing page builders, but they're still pretty flat. From our perspective, it's an easier way to build basic storefronts. So Famous is looking to solve that problem by helping brands and merchants create customized, high-impact, visual, what we call mobile shopping pages, on the fly, no technical expertise, no code required. So here's how it works. Merchants choose from any number of drag-and-drop templates and easily design their pages with Famous's high qualities, images, videos, and am- animations. By animations, I mean just a finger swipe or an automa- automated animation. No code needed, just hit design and publish. Our customers are telling us that they see a sales increase of a really impressive 35% for products they promote on Famous. Nice, nice. I love the fact you're, you're tying up a complete mix of what's the overall, almost like a motive goal for the Shopify store owner with some amazing statistics, but then also the specifics of, and, and as somebody that's used a lot of uh, landing page builders over the years, and Unbounce is probably the one of the minute that we use a lot in the UK, they are clunky. They're, there's so much you can't do with them. And I think for e-commerce, one of the biggest challenges for sure, and it sounds like obviously Famous can overcome this, is within e-commerce, it doesn't overcome, sorry, it doesn't connect up and actually integrate with the e-commerce system itself. So you build this amazing landing page, somebody lands in it saying, I really want that, and they order it. But what it doesn't do is it doesn't actually link into, as you said, Shopify or some of the others like Magento, e-commerce cloud, etc. Um, so that's really key, isn't it? Because then the actual business process is exactly the same. The customer appears in the same place in Shopify, revenue goes through the same bank account, and all your delivery systems and stuff work completely as normal, I assume. Nick, you, you really depicted our journey with Shopify, because originally we had just that capability, showing a famous experience, but you couldn't connect that directly to your account. We've recently introduced the ability to actually have a tight integration with Shopify. And I got to tell you, Shopify has been a terrific partner. They gave us so much help and coaching along the way. And now when you hit publish, it goes directly to the Shopify store. The data is synced, it's completely integrated, and uh, it's a really terrific user experience now for our customers. Cool. And I think I can certainly vouch for that. I mean, here I am hosting a, a podcast called Winning with Shopify. Uh, so I'm obviously a brand ambassador of it. But I certainly, if anyone's listening who's actually a developer or building an app or something, it, do integrate with Shopify as in not on a sort of technical level, but have a conversation with them. We've had conversations with them about launching apps that can help with SEO and pay-per-click marketing that, that we deal with over the years. And they've been incredibly open to conversations, checking code, giving us uh, assistance with API feeds, all that sort of stuff. So it's good to hear that you've had a similar experience. Let's get into some of the technical workings then. My first question is, and I know there's probably a small percentage, but there'll be some people listening to this thinking, right, landing page, you lost me. So what's the difference between a landing page and just a normal page on a website? Yeah, we get that question a lot, Nick, thanks. So (laughs) people should look at their website 
as really a home base where all the information about the company, products live, you know, careers page, blog press page, you know, team bios. It's a whole lot of information besides just the products. When you're promoting products, all this information is really overwhelming for consumers. So they've got their mind on one thing. What am I going to buy? And frequently, I read statistics someplace where something like two-thirds of all customers are looking for specials, promotions. They want that, that, you know, that discount going on. So you can't do all that on a web page very easily. It's just too much information. Landing pages, what we call product pages, much more tailored to the different audience segments the brand wants to target and reach and provides only the relevant information that a shopper is looking for at a particular time. So merchants can build pages for different demographics. You know, millennials don't look at the same thing that a Generation Xer does or Generation Z. And then also target these pages where a prospect may be in the marketing funnel. Like I said, if someone's just looking for coupons or, or, or discounts, it's different than someone just sort of browsing around. And what you want to do is use those targeted landing pages and product pages in marketing campaigns because they will lead to higher conversion. They will lead to higher engagement rates compared to directing everybody to the same website for a lot of irrelevant content. I talked yesterday to a design firm that recently became a customer and they said, Bob, what we do, we've got a whole, you know, lots and lots of clients. And what they, there's a company, there's a hundred people total. They look at their clients, anyone whose conversion rate is below 2%, they're now recommending famous just for the reasons we've talked about. Because if, if the conversion rate is that low, they're probably rifle shooting too big. They're probably relying on their website too much. And so they're rethinking these clients to work with landing pages, or in our case, what we call mobile product pages. I, I love the fact you've explained it as a mobile product page. I think certainly when, when we're running advertising campaigns on Google Shopping, obviously that goes straight into product pages, but Google text ads, we've got the ability to tell Google exactly where we're sending, where we're sending that traffic. You could make it work on shopping as well, which I'm sure you can outline a bit later. Um, you could change the feed or have specific URLs going to specific product landing pages. But one of the things I found that works so well with landing pages is if you think about user experience or customer journey for a second, somebody's gone on a search engine and looked for something or they're, you know, that's an inbound campaign or there's an outbound campaign where they're browsing Facebook or reading a blog post and there's an advert that says, hey, you should come and check out this product or even this service. And when somebody sees that, the journey next is if they land on a page on a website and there's a big mega menu, which you get on a lot of Shopify stores and a lot of e-commerce stores. There's a big mega menu. There's blog posts to go and read. There's buying guides. All of this stuff is stuff that we in the SEO world spend our lives trying to convince clients to write. But sometimes it just doesn't work as well because you've just basically covered a page in distractions. Whereas, as you say, if they land on a page that doesn't have a main menu or it's just there, I've seen it quite a lot and ordered from Instagram ads where I've seen an Instagram ad, you click on it going, that's a great product. Oh, it's only $20. I'll buy that. And the website just has one product. You can't get distracted. There's no menu um, to be distracted by. There's no kind of read this guide. There's just very, very quick content of check out this video of the product. These are three reasons you should buy this with nice big gold stars or a big tick. It's very, very fast and furious. And customers generally love it. There is no way to get distracted and they wouldn't have clicked on the ad unless they were interested. But if they click on it and then see the whole branded website and it starts to put them off or again, it distracts them, you can easily lose them. And I think when you look at the overall journey of marketing, I think we need to be a little bit careful that landing pages, in my view, and it'd be interesting to hear what you think about this, Bob, 
landing pages, in my view, are the best way to acquire new customers or not necessarily the best way, but they're a very, very effective way to, to acquire new customers. But then the hard work starts and the long-term stuff starts. And actually at that point, you do want them browsing the site mm -hmm. because at this point for them to come back, you're not paying $100, $200 or pounds per customer or per transaction. You're paying either nothing because they've come back on their own or you're paying like one cent, one pence per time they come back just to be basically sending an email out to a big database and, and getting clicks from those emails and people buying a product again. You made a couple of comments I want to click down. Yeah, really yeah, pretty important. That's it. One thing you talked about, Nick, was going from an Instagram ad or a Facebook ad into a landing page. And we talk about this a lot within Famous or, or to the marketplace, this notion of social commerce, really tying very tightly your social media motion with your product page, landing page motion. And so if it's too loosely coupled, you're going to lose people. If they're going to a website, they can't easily migrate from one to the other, you're going to lose people. So I, I think that integration and thinking about social commerce and how you're tightly tying your, your landing page with your social strategy is very, very important. Yeah, definitely. The other thing you talked about was focus. And, and you nailed it, right? So if, if you're selling sunglasses and the prospect is looking for men's sunglasses, they don't find it quickly and easily on your page, they leave and go to the next brand. And they find what they're looking for right away. Once you've got them engaged, it's not just about shoving them full of content to sell, sell, sell. It's my market, head of marketing is a very strong digital person. She reminds me all the time. It's about having a conversation. It's about engaging. It's, and that's why she joined Famous, creating that captivating experience that gets people coming back. Think about engaging. Think about having a conversation, not about shoving product information and selling aggressively. Yeah, yeah definitely. definitely. We, we in SEO, we come across this a lot where we want... As SEO experts, we want as much content as possible because then we've got more keywords to target. So I'll give an example. We want content around which car seat to buy for your child. So when they're in the car, which seat are they going to sit in? And they might be searching by age, by type, by fitting, like actually how it actually fits the car, by safety rating, all these different things they might be searching by. In the SEO world, we want all of that. The challenge we have when we do SEO really effectively, and I mean really, really effectively here, is actually a user experience and an information architecture project. How do we fit all of that in so it doesn't distract the customer that's ready to buy, but it does bring more customers in higher up the funnel? So then we generally just have more web traffic and we're the go-to place when they want to come back to convert. And then we can look at things like soft conversion, et cetera. And I think where landing pages suit the customer that's ready to buy model, as I say, there is no distraction. There isn't tons and tons of content on the page. There's not like a sort of, you should read this guide. It's literally just, you've clicked on this ad, this is this product, the price, a few reasons to buy. But even on the landing page, it'd be good, Bob, if you can give us some examples, I think, of how can you display, almost, in a sense, a lot of content to answer all the customer questions without ending up with a really, really cluttered design or even worse which we've had on landing pages before if the designer doesn't know what they're doing or whoever's put the page together you end up with literally a micro version of your website because they're thinking internal going we need to mention all of this stuff and they're like no you don't you need the minimum they need the price the right. image and then if you can answer the next bit how do you organize some of that content so there's enough on there that if they've got any questions they can find an answer quickly but you don't start cluttering it so they do get distracted and confused. I think where, where we see that is people will use Famous 
for a particular product, a new product launch, a discount, and fre- more frequently high-end products. Mm. And so to answer your question directly, what, what we see is that when people are going to use video, animations, the like, to create that rich connection, when a prospect is paying $100 or $200 or more for a piece of clothing, they want to see how it works. They want to connect. They want to see the flow of the fabric. Yep. And so you can communicate a lot with video without calling out the specs because it's an emotional buy. Let me tell you about one of our customers. I just love this brand. A company called Tush Baby. Isn't that a great <laughs> love name? Love it. Love Tush it. Tush Baby. And the founder of the, of the company, she was a hotshot salesperson at Salesforce and LinkedIn. She did this as a side hustle. Business took off. She left her software sales job and has grown this company. She's been on Shark Tank and Good Morning America and done very, very well. But what Tush Baby sells is a uh, product, it's, it's, it's targeted for women to hold your baby or toddler, and it's designed to take pressure off your back when you carry your child. So it's, it's a child-carrying device that you know, takes pressure off your back and lower extremities. Yeah, yeah, nice. And so when you're, this is not cheap, right? And so when you're selling it, you want to uh, connect with people. And so they haven't launched their famous experience yet. We're designing it with them right now. But when people see users using the product, and they see, come on, seeing a mother holding their toddler or child, you're going to have an emotional connection. Yeah. So at that point, it's not about the specs and details of the product. It's about the emotional connection. And Nick, I can play that same song for people in the nutritional shakes business, in the food business, in beverage business, in sweaters, et cetera. Prospects want to connect with the product. So when you do that, create that emotional connection, and you really marry that with your social commerce to have a conversation with people you really obviate the need for all those specs and details. That can result on your website. Someone can go take a look at it. And that's how we're seeing people increase their conversion. And by the way, take away the name famous, that concept of emotional connection is really resonating with merchants right now as they're seeing the ranks of Shopify swell to nearly 2 million merchants. They've got to find a way to cut to the clutter. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. There's so many things in that I'm going to pull out quickly. The first one is about, you mentioned it earlier as well, the, the 2 million Shopify merchants. We had Shopify themselves, um, one of the guys from the UK Plus team here that we work with, he was talking on the podcast just before Christmas. And one of the stats he said, it was just purely about the UK, but he said it is happening globally. Between Q1 and Q2 of last year, so first three months, second three months, the number of Shopify stores doubled in the UK. So every store there was, at the end of March in the UK, there were twice as many at the end of June. There were two for that store, every single store. Absolutely ridiculous growth. And there was more revenue in the UK through Shopify stores over Black Friday and Cyber Weekend than there was on Amazon in the UK. It was the first person to ever take Amazon for a long time. Absolutely amazing. And I think so, so the growth is there. What you've just said about cutting through the noise, I think is absolutely key. Next week, just as a quick heads up to everybody, We've got one of the best e-commerce website designers I've ever met. And we're going to be talking about branding, which is exactly this, how to cut through the noise. And just a quick spoiler alert, which I think is exactly what your landing pages do as well. I always use the phrase, don't build a marketplace. There's enough marketplaces out there. And what I mean about that is it's so easy to get a Shopify store and just upload a ton of products, white background, products there, categories, have got all your products in them, etc. It's so easy to do that. And it just looks and feels like a marketplace. Brand and what you've just said, Bob, as well about emotive content, the, the woman holding her baby or the dad holding the baby in the carrier, you know, to support their back. It's, a, it's a, such an emotive thing. There's the emotional pain of the back and then there's also the emotional joy of the child. 
And so I think that it's just this very simple way of cutting through the noise. And I think, yeah, as you say, there's so many stores out there now. It's a bit like when eBay launched. Every man and his dog in the UK was certainly launching an eBay shop. <laughs> like literally everybody was, uh, was jumping on it. <laughs> cool. So, so next question then. Let's talk a bit more about some of the specifics. So you've got a landing page. I know the answer to this, but I'm just going to purely ask for our audience to listen. How does that help your SEO or does it not help? Is it only used for paid advertising? Are there any other scenarios where it works really well in terms of where you would send traffic from to reach that page or those pages? So you're giving me an IQ test. I better not fail this. Right? <laughs> like when the host asks the question, has the answer. Okay, it doesn't so, help SEO. Let's talk about the other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to go back to this notion of social commerce. And we see this taking place in three areas. One is where merchants really streamline their paid marketing campaigns. So going from social media ads, you talk about Instagram, Facebook, Google ads, remarketing campaigns, influencer promos, right into a landing page. Second is that if you don't have the budget for lots and lots of social media, you know, your organic growth. So we call it low effort, high output, where you're thinking of things like Instagram bio or, or social media posts organic social media posts, QR codes and email campaign, even a sale or promo from that broad website. We're seeing people figure this out and use Famous in that, that area. And then finally, the non-digital world, as COVID is subsiding in some, many parts of the world, thanks to the vaccine, we're looking at merchants going to live events. And so printing QR codes, taking the events, we call it Famous Pages on the Go, whether it's festivals, trade shows, et cetera, we're seeing a great uptick in that right now, going to the second half of 2021. Nice. There's a few things I'm going to pull out about retargeting and that kind of thing in a sec. But just on the note of QR codes, and I, I don't know what the scenario is in the US, but we've had this horrible, horrible political football or basketball being thrown around in the UK that is called Track and Trace. And the concept is, and I'll come back to QR codes in a sec, they're really important to this. The concept is everywhere you go at the moment, because of coronavirus, we want to stop people mixing. It's changing now. We're all vaccinated. We actually had all of our restrictions lifted just a few days ago. We can pretty much do what we want, but track and trace is still running. So every time you go into a music venue, a restaurant, anything like that, even some shops, you're required to scan a QR code using the NHS, which is our big health service in the UK. They've got an app on the iPhone and Android. You scan a QR code and it checks you in, which then means if anybody in that building or vicinity the same time you're there, later tests positive for coronavirus, you then need to isolate so we can try and stop the spread. The reason it's political football, and I'm not going to go into this today because this is not a political podcast and I'm not involved in any political podcast for obvious reasons, but <laughs> it's, it's controversial because it costs hundred billion pounds and it's literally failed by its own statistics. Uh, <laughs> failed to contact and <laughs> completely useless. But the point about QR codes is if any of you guys are in the UK, and I'm sure things that has been happening in other countries, a lot of the average people didn't know what QR codes were until it was discovered that you could scan one of these on this NHS app in the UK, which has now educated people that it's not just the NHS app. You can access that app by just scanning it on your camera. You don't have to open the app to get to it, which actually means that, again, it'd be interesting to hear what's happening in the US with you, Bob, but I'm assuming that QR codes are going to become much more widely recognized 
from my point, they've been out for 10 years or something or, or even longer. They're, they're old technology. But the fact that users now know how to use them, like certainly in the UK, it's definitely become mass markets. How is it in the US? Do you think there's a much wider knowledge of them? Have you guys been using it for anything similar recently? No question about it. QR codes, popularity and familiarity are on the rise here in the US. I'll tell you, I was out to dinner over the weekend. My wife had some family over. And look, I'm a little older than you. So more of the baby boomer realm. And the boomers aren't quite as leading edge as the millennials on the, on the technology curve. And so we went to a restaurant where the menu, they had a, a little sign at the table. You scan with your camera, download the QR code, your menu's on your phone. Yep. And that's, you know, you're seeing that pretty ubiquitously. And I would say with a smile on my face, even the baby boomers are getting that right now. They're figuring out to scan the QR codes with the phone to download menus at restaurants. <laughs> but it's become very, I go to the farmer's market. I had the QR, and the, the various farmers have QR codes at their stand. I use my Venmo, scan a QR code, and pay that way to the farmers. Nice. So you're seeing many ways just day to day the ubiquity of qr codes in the u.s for sure nice nice again it's good to see and i think qr codes is such a good way to bring the physical and digital worlds together that you can go from something physical to something digital really really quickly earlier in the year we had somebody on the podcast in some kind of future of e-commerce what's going to change and he was saying he would not be surprised if a lot of the shops in the future just had one of each thing so you try on a t-shirt to find your size for that brand and then you go around the shop and you find all the t-shirts you want. And you're basically online shopping now in a physical shop. And there's no till. You pay on your phone and stuff's delivered to your house, which now means you can go on shopping trips without having to carry anything home. We get just really interesting. And obviously, QR codes play a massive part in all of that. Retargeting, though. Retargeting is, is an interesting topic. And I say it's interesting because we've got quite a few clients where it works incredibly well. But we've also had lots of clients and lots of scenarios over the years where it's been absolutely awful. Like we just cannot make a sale. We set all the right targeting up. You know, somebody who's been through your store, they haven't purchased. We put them in an audience list and we, we display ads to them. And I think one of the key things that's often missing from the ones that don't work is something they didn't see the first time. Because when they first came to your website, if it worked, if the website did its job and they came in for all the right reasons and your targeting worked and your inbound traffic sources are all driving the right kind of traffic in the right places, etc., they should come back and purchase at some point fairly soon on most products. Obviously, it varies with some products. But we noticed that when we were running retargeting, it was almost more expensive to get a customer through retargeting than it was just through normal targeting. And that's no surprise. But actually, we didn't necessarily always use landing pages. We have tested it a bit and it's worked very well. But we've also used specific bits of content to send to people, something they didn't see last time. Or we give, we put a code in the advert, get 10% or 15% off with this code. And on the actual advert, there's like a, a ticking clock going down saying expires in five hours, add a bit of urgency, that kind of thing. But actually landing pages play quite an interesting part in retargeting, don't they? You can, someone's been on the site, they've not converted, and we hit them with retargeting to just a specific product, or maybe they looked at a pair of shoes, and we just create a landing page to just our, our top bestseller pair, and see if we can sell the bestsellers based on the fact that they're 40% of our revenue or something quite significant. Yeah, so you made some several comments I think were pretty important there. One is being specific, and I think that's really important when you're retargeting. So if you're going too broad, we've talked about that, forget it. But you have to be specific both in the product and the demographic. Uh, the, the other aspect of it is the experience. And we haven't touched on this a lot, even as the topic of your podcast here, but there's your mobile. So 
we really think that the experience has to be optimized for mobile. You don't see a lot of technology out there that's really mobile optimized, which is kind of funny because 70, 70% of all Shopify sales are made on mobile devices right now. Yep. So if your landing pages, again, we call them mobile product pages, are not mobile friendly, you lose because you're not able to create that experience. It's about engagement. It's about stickiness. It's about being captivating. If you're not creating mobile-friendly experiences for, for your clients, they're not going to be as engaged and you're going to lose out. So I think a big piece of it is really tailoring the experience on the mobile devices. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I think mobile, I mean, I, I'm a little bit older than I look and I do remember when mobile websites came out. And then I also remember having a minor heart attack of excitement when I saw responsive websites. <laughs> but then equally, I mean, as you say, there are so many stores that are still not optimized for mobile. And Again, a lot of a lot of the guys listening, a big chunk of them anyway, you guys are probably working on your own, managing your own store. It's a side hobby or it's just become a full-time thing, but still quite small. Hence why you're listening to podcasts like this to get some more insights, etc. I think if it is yourself, chances are, I doubt you do any coding or designing on a mobile device, which means you're normally on a desktop device, Correct. which means it's even more important to then test on mobile, Correct. especially if you're playing in things like code. If you start making tweaks to CSS and you don't put in something to say, and when the screen width goes down to tablet, the main menu at that point changes to a hamburger. So instead of seeing the actual words across the top, it makes the little icon, the, the user has to click to expand it. And then on mobile, making it an absolute, what's called important yep. within the CSS code. And I'm not a developer, this is just the basics that I know. But yeah, you need to make sure it does do that. And things like SEO, Google is not going to rank you on mobile if you've got a bad mobile experience. Even more so if you haven't got Search Console set up, set it up and see what Google is saying about your mobile-friendly experience. It's absolutely critical to make sure it works. But still, all of that's the basics. What, what you've just said, Bob, and I think put really, really well, is that you already lose. If somebody's on a mobile device and they land and it's a bad experience or an image doesn't load or the video, the, you haven't set the video width and the video is hanging halfway off the right-hand side of the screen, and the play button's out of view, which I did see on a landing page recently. Mm -hmm. uh, not one of yours, of course, but it was, it was hanging off the side of the page. <laughs> I couldn't even click play on the video, but I, I was I genuinely, as a customer, saying, mm -hmm. I'm actually quite interested in this product, and I do want to buy it, but now you're forcing me to make a decision without watching the video. And in a sense, if the video didn't exist, it wouldn't even matter. But if I could have watched it, I probably would have bought it there and then. Yes. But instead, I actually looked for alternatives to see how good this product was before I purchased. You know, the other thing I find a lot, and you're in the services business, I, I create a product, which is my observation, is that merchants can help themselves a lot by having a clear call to action on the page. And I mean, it, it depends where the consumer is in the funnel, what they're looking for. But it's amazing how many pages I look at of clients where the call to action is just not, not very clear. It's too ambiguous or it's just, in fact, wrong based on the client or the prospect profile. Yeah. I don't know. Do you see any of that? Oh, oh completely, completely. Yeah. And we, we often split them into soft, firm, and hard. Uh, we've used the word firm just because it's between soft and hard, but a soft conversion being a, you're reading a buying guide. So click here to view all the products. So if you're reading a, a classic one, one of my most successful buying guides I ever helped build in SEO was a suit fitting guide for men in the UK. So you could buy a suit online, you know how to measure yourself, etc. So the two soft, because you're not, you're not buying yet, you're reading a guide about how to buy. So you're a step beforehand, at least maybe a few steps. And so the call to action was view all of our suits and you can, and there were links through to jackets, shirts, trousers, shoes, 
uh, socks, all the rest of it. And then there was also one big link underneath to view three piece suits. They're all in one. You get a shirt, a tie, waistcoat, all the rest of it, all in one, one thing. So we've already chosen the colors for you, et cetera. And then the second soft call to action was join our mailing list to hear about exclusive offers on our suits. Which, if we can get their email now, I can guarantee we'll, we, it's easier to get all their email addresses than it is to sell products to all of them. And so I think you're never going to have 100%. But yes, certainly I've seen that the soft conversion can be missing from stuff. Great piece of content, but don't really know what you want me to do next. And I think on e-commerce, going back to mobile, obviously your landing pages will have this nice and clear. But I have seen it where the buy button on mobile is below the fold or the price is below the fold or the price on mobile is just not clear. It sort of says like $40, but then when you get down, there's a drop down list and none of them are at $40. So $40 might be the, the base price, but when you start looking at variants, it gets more expensive. And I think being really, really clear, as you say about the call to action, what do you actually want the user to do here? I think is really, really important. Yeah. My, my guess is you do a lot of services business helping people with that real fundamental gap. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we do. So we're, we're kind of <laughs> half e-commerce, half B2B in our company, or half lead gen. So yeah, we're doing a lot of lead gen stuff where it's like, you're looking at a massive IT system. You're not going to fill out a quote form today. And actually in B2B, where this works a little bit in some e-commerce scenarios. There was a study done about three or four years ago that we quote a lot that 70% of the buying journey on either a, what we call a considered purchase in e-commerce or a B2B, any B2B service, it's generally 70% of the journey is just pure content consumption. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have some sort of email capture, stay in touch, come and watch our webinar, view our event during that process, you know, on an e-commerce website, you might be buying a washing machine or a dishwasher or even a house. And so your, yeah, your process of like, I don't want to inquire about houses, I'm not quite ready to buy. But if you can get me on real estate company or an estate agent, get me on your books knowing that I will be in the market in the near future, well, that's incredibly powerful to that business. And I'm much more willing to do that than have one of your salespeople try and organize a viewing and start sending me the info packs on a particular property because I'm not at that stage yet. Cool. Well, I'm just looking over my questions, Bob, and I feel like we've covered almost all of it in a very short space of time, which is always good to hear. Let's go into the last couple then. And I think one of these is really, really important. And you might have like a top tips for this. You might have a guide on your website you can reference or something to help. But what, what makes a good landing page perform well? I know we've spoken about some of this, but are there any particular like case studies or examples where landing pages just, you, you do this and nine, nine out of 10 times, it just, it absolutely flies when you start to get this thing right. I think about three things. We've touched on these uh, throughout our dialogue today, Nick, but you know, one Focus on mobile. 70% of the orders on Shopify come through mobile devices. This is the majority of your audience are shopping here. So they, the experience has to be optimized for mobile. Two, spend the time on quality design. So merchants have really got to ensure that the design on their Shopify store and their pages make a great first impression count, build trust and familiarity with the brand. Because lower bounce rates while increasing retention and time consumers you know, spend browsing around, They've got, they've got to create stickiness and conversion. And then finally, build creative marketing campaigns. So we've talked about this across multiple vectors. Engage with customers where they are, if that's social media or in their inbox or searching for products online, and then where they are in the funnel and what they're looking for. Leverage social e-commerce, like the paid marketing campaigns. We've talked about Instagram and Facebook and Google ads. And then really, and I love the way you depicted this about people consuming content and engaging, being educated. I tell people, because my head of marketing reminds me of this all the time, focusing on telling a story rather than selling products. Build relationships, build engagements, 
because people want connections, especially in our digital world. So have them create that connection with your brand. They will come back to your store. They'll come back and engage, but create that affinity for your brand. Cool, cool. Very wise words. And I can't endorse that. Those three tips enough. I think you've absolutely nailed it. Well, look, Bob, it's been great to have you on the show today. How can people get in touch with you? What's the best way of reaching out to Famous? Best way is to check our website. It's famous.co, famous.co. Famous.com is a footwear company. So (laughs) famous.co. Take a look at what we're doing. There are lots of great customer examples and customer testimonials. If people want to test drive the product, they can for free. They have a free seven-day trial. Nice. We have a great customer success team to guide them with any questions they may have. And I hope to hear from your audience real soon. Awesome. Awesome. I highly recommend that seven-day free trial. I think if, you, if you're going to test stuff, especially in the early stages, I think having a super targeted landing page with an advertising campaign hitting just that page it's got everything you need to get it right. And it, as, it, as we said, it also means you don't have to spend thousands and thousands of dollars and pounds um, on trying to get your store absolutely perfect overnight. This is a way you can start acquiring customers quickly and then start doing surveys, getting to know those customers and building out your longer term strategy as a result as well. Thanks so much for joining the show today, Bob. It's been great to have you with us. Nick, thank you very much. Cool. And to the rest of our audience, thank you so much for joining us. It'd be really awkward without you. So uh, (laughs) thanks for tuning in today. Hope to have you back with us next week. We post every Friday. And next week, we're, as I say, we're going to have a guest on, a good friend of mine called Rich here in the UK, one of the best e-commerce website designers and branding experts I've ever worked with. They're one of the biggest agencies we work with here in the UK. So definitely tune in for that. Stay safe. And also, I haven't mentioned this at all yet, but we have just launched a new website for winningwithshopify.com. So make sure you go and check out the site. You can also submit some episode ideas on there, which is one of the biggest changes we're making. So go and check that out. I'm going to be talking about that more over the next few weeks and months. And I hope you're staying safe. Back next Friday. Sign up for free for the Shopify-approved marketing course at 1000salesandbeyond.com and get our show notes at justaskparker.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening to the Winning with Shopify podcast. See you next time.